Well, please do be seated. And uh, if you'd like to look along with me, John chapter 1, verses 1 to 13. And if you're using the church Bibles, that's found on page 886. John chapter 1. And whilst we're looking particularly at verses 10 to 13, let me read for us from verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world... And the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Well, I'm not sure how wise it is to uh, preach to you, given the invitation that if any of you have any objection. Uh, <laughs> so let me, let me pray uh, for you and certainly for me now. Gracious God, please, uh, by your Spirit, help me to speak the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, not simply because we are needy, but for your honor and glory's sake. Amen. Well, let me, let me tell you a true story. I think the year was um, 1971 or 1972. Not, I can't remember that far back. Mark. Mark was the brother-in-law of one of my closest friends, and he was uh, older than, than we. And, and one evening, he told us about a very, very poor decision he made a few years earlier, probably 1970. And at the end of his story about his very poor decision, my friend and I told him, you are crazy. You're absolutely bonkers. And he agreed because we were astonished at his very poor decision. See, Mark uh, was a very gifted pianist, and occasionally he was what is called a session musician, a musician who will go to, in his case, recording studios in Boston, Massachusetts, where I grew up, and he would record back, uh, backtracks for various musicians. It was a side hustle for him. It wasn't his main job. He worked lots of other jobs. And the story he shared that evening with my friends and myself was something that took place a little bit earlier when he was a caregiver at a psychiatric 
hospital in western Massachusetts, a hospital that particularly specialized in dealing with men and women with severe drug addiction. And one patient in particular became very friendly with Mark because they had a shared love of, of music. This young man was, Mark told us that night, very, very good on the guitar. In fact, this, this guy had written his own music and he told Mark that he would soon be flying to the UK to record his second album at Abbey Road Studios. And one day he asked Mark if Mark would be willing to look over one particular song that he had written. And he wondered if Mark might put down an accompanying piano track in a Boston studio, which would then be sent on to London for final production. And Mark half-heartedly agreed to look at the composition. And what happened next was astonishing. Well, well, we'll come back to that in a moment or two. Because there's an even more astonishing story for you to hear. It's astonishing, that is, assuming that John's Gospel, which we just read from, is to be trusted and to be believed. And while John's astonishing claim isn't, uh, how does the saying go, just for Christmas, nevertheless, it can help us understand the question that I've been asking. Why Christmas? Why Christmas? Well, let me unwrap this for us as we listen to the prologue. That's the first 13, 14 verses. We'll, we'll just look at verses 10 to 13. Let me unwrap it for you, uh, and we, we want to ask this question. Why Christmas? Let's turn back to verse 10. Why Christmas? Well, first of all, because He, He came into the world. Look down with me at verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made through Him. Now, John doesn't name Jesus until verse 29. But right from the start of this prologue, I, I like to call it an overture, because there are themes in these first verses that we'll see throughout the rest and hear throughout the rest of John's gospel. He tells us some important information, verses 1 to 2. The one coming into the world is the eternal word, full equality in divinity. The coming one is the source of all existence. All reality, all reality is defined by him and exists because of him. He is not a created being, if you look at verse 3, or part of creation. He is the author, creator of all. And not just that, he sustains, he keeps it going, verse 3. His life, his life is that which brings life to others and is the light of men and women. And because he is light, only he, only he enables humankind to see and comprehend anything that's true. Not just religious truth, but anything that's true. In fact, he is the one who reveals what is the opposite of light, namely darkness. Darkness is all which is against him. In fact, verse 5, darkness is not his equal. What does this mean? It means this, existence, existence is not the result of accident or random chance, although it looks like that to us. 
The world, actually, the, the word that John uses in Greek is cosmos. The world is not self-defining. It's not meaningless. Rather, everything that is and everything that will be is defined by the intention and purpose of the one whom John is speaking about who came into this world. And that includes every single human being. We cannot understand who we are, what we are, and why we are apart from who the coming one is. I mean, all our experiences of life, joy, but sadness, friendship, but loneliness, love, but also rejection. All of those actually have a point of reference. In other words, tell me what this means. And it's not our autonomous self. It is rather him. To put it more simply, we will never know who we are until we know whose we are. And the coming one into the world is, is inescapably now, according to John, is inescapably relevant to every man, woman, and child. It's not just some have a relationship with Jesus. Every single human being already has a relationship with Jesus. So whether it's a good one or not. That's not a spiritual or religious claim at all. That's astounding. It's astonishing. Uh, but there's further astonishment. Verse 2, because the one who came into the world, well, this world is the world in which he was and continues to be rejected. Look down with me at the second half of verse 10. Yet the world did not know him, verse 11. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. In other words, despite his being light, despite the world owing its existence to him, the world did not recognize or know or receive him. That is astonishing. The coming one provides light for humanity to see and comprehend. So it's not as if there's ignorance. The problem is moral. Actually, the word the Bible would prefer to use is it's sinfulness. That's why he's been rejected. It's sinfulness. There's an unwillingness to receive and acknowledge the one who has come into the world. Even his own people, and here John means the Jewish people, they did not know, recognize, see him. We read the rest of John's gospel and see the wide-scale rejection of him. But actually, it's, it's not just the Jewish nation at the time. Non-Jews, Gentiles, they also failed to recognize and receive him. He who is their creator. You see, it's a human problem, a universal tragedy. And it continues to this very day. You see, on one hand, there is a considerable unfamiliarity with the claims of Christianity. In our country, increasingly, for example, during Christmas time, you ask most primary school teachers, and they will probably agree, school children lack basic information about who Jesus was, never mind who he is. Not surprisingly in our country, there are many, many, many millions of people who who don't recognize Jesus. How could they? They have never heard anything about him. But that is not the ultimate reason. It's not for lack of information. 
There's a kind of suppression, putting down, of what we intuitively sense. See, ironically, none of us can successfully repress the sense that we know somehow or other that something or someone is far greater than we are or far more important than just this material existence. We may not use fancy words, but we kind of, kind of have a hunch that's the way it is. See, I would say our problem in the UK is not so much atheism as it is agnosticism. We're aware of transcendence, but we tell ourselves, well, there's no way we can know anything about that, and so we just deny it and just try to bury it. That's astonishing. But there's something even more astonishing. Because the one who came into this world, though he was rejected by many in this world, now in verse 12, yet in the world he was and is received by some. Verse 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. See, if you go on to read more and more of John's gospel, and I, I, would, I would encourage you to do so, you'll meet some astonishing surprises. Yes, you know, and you can predict that Jesus is rejected. He is opposed. But here's the surprise. He is received or welcomed, and welcomed and received by some remarkable people. They are the blind, the marginalized, the outcasts, the adulterers, the grieving. And though they are some very high flyers, there are others who are high flyers who are also very humble. And they see in Jesus something that resonates deeply within their very being. They believe in his name. They, they accept him as the only one in whom there is forgiveness of the shame and guilt and the rebellion that they struggle with. Only he is the one that they know can offer hope in the face of death. And those who receive Jesus and believe in his name are given legitimacy become children of God. And it has nothing to do with their ethnic being. It has nothing to do whether they were born into a religious family or not. It isn't a case that, that their spouse eventually became a Christian. It has nothing to do with that. They believe in Jesus and trust Jesus out of God's sheer kindness, his mercy. Uh, John says they are born of God, or what Jesus will go on in chapter 3, verse 7 to say, they are born again. Actually, the word means they're born from above. And astonishingly, that brings us to us. My last point, because we're in this world. There are men, women, and children today who receive Jesus and believe in his name. See, the rejection of many, the rejection of many in no way minimizes the miraculous reception of Jesus by others. That's because this world in which you and I live, it's Jesus' world. We are in this world. You see, to be human, in other words, it has nothing to do with being religious. To be human is because of him. 
The Bible describes humans as made in God's image. And that is astonishing because what it does is, is it actually exalts the lowest person with the greatest dignity. But it also humbles the most prominent person. There's another implication, an implication which John's Gospel tells us in great detail. We need rescuing. You see, we're not just confused, troubled, or hurting people. All of us, the human race, are, well, we're rebels at heart. Uh, We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared to believe. Yet, yet, at the same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope for. You see, in Jesus' death and through his bodily resurrection, he takes our guilt and shame and gives us his goodness and forgiveness. He gives to those who turn back to him by faith in him the right, uh, it's not just the right, the legitimacy, the unquestionable permission to become children of God. And here's the heart of the Christian good news. He was born to save, and that is why Christmas. Which brings me back to my story about Mark and the musician. After looking over the music, Mark told him, no, I'm... I'm not very interested, thanks very much. Why not? The young guy asked. Well, said Mark, musically it doesn't grab me. Additionally, the lyrics make absolutely no sense. Oh, how so? Asked this young musician. Well, said Mark, okay, look, what I mean is this. For example, just yesterday morning they let me know you were gone. Suzanne, the plans they made put an end to you. And sweet dreams and flying machines and pieces on the ground? What's that? When Mark told us this story that night, we were aghast. Mark, you're an absolute idiot. (laughs) And he said, yep, you're right. I was arrogant. I was prideful. I mean, he said, if I had a dollar for every time some psychiatric patient told me he or she was going to be a great recording artist, well... The year was 1970. The song Mark thought unimpressive is Fire and Rain. The young musician who asked Mark to play the piano track for him on that song was and is James Taylor. James Taylor went on to become a six-time Grammy Award winner. Now, why do I tell you that story? Don't be a mark. Don't be a mark, please. Uh, Not concerning James Taylor. Concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. You may have questions. Of course you do. You may have doubts. Of course you do. But don't stop there. I mean, do something with your questions. Do something with your doubts. In fact, doubt your doubts. You might want to read through John's Gospel with a Christian you know and trust. Now, at the same time, though, at the same time, it may be more a case that you've been hurt and disappointed with the church. And in addition to that, or compounding all that, there there may well be painful experiences or things in your life of which you feel ashamed. 
And I do not want to minimize any of that. Instead, there's a song, the lyrics to which just might apply to you this morning. Do you, do you remember that uh, Christmas carol, um, O Come, All Ye Faithful? The song I have in mind flips the invitation intriguingly. O come, all you unfaithful. Come, weak and unstable. Come, you are not alone. O come, barren and waiting ones. Weary of praying, come. See what your God has done. O come, bitter and broken. Come with fears unspoken. Come, taste of his perfect love. O come, guilty and hiding ones. There is no need to run. See what your God has done. He's the lamb who was given, slain for our pardon. His promise is peace for those who believe. So come, though you have nothing. Come, he is the offering. Come, see what your God has done. So the question is, why Christmas? The answer is Jesus, Lord and Savior. Amen.